Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. Hello and welcome to the HP Podcast, your weekly video game podcast about video games. I screw it up every week. It's not even a bit at this point, guys. It's just a mess. Speaking of messes, we got Dave here with us. Dave, hello. How are you? I'm messy. I'm, messy. I'm doing messy. I, I got I got a shave. Um, I need a haircut. I got chest hair popping out of my my. Uh, what do you call these shirts? Shirt. With the three buttons. That's a shirt. No, it's um. There's a name for these things. Mm. Lapel. I've never been fancy enough to know specific names for types of shirts. I can't, you know, it's got like three, but Nathan Drake wore one. There's Anyways. a, there's a polo and there's a t-shirt and everything in between is just a noise. The baseball yeah. tee? No. Kind so, of. That's, that has to be three quarter length sleeve. I Dave, think. I hear that what you're asking for the shave and the haircut, that's only what? Two bits? Three bits? Shave, haircut. Yeah, that's about it. Just two. Two like bits. That. Okay. I yep. need a shower too. Yeah. I'm pretty messy. And, I'm messy. And you're not wearing your glasses, which is unusual. Yeah, I wanted you guys to see the uh, the really baby you? blues. I watched the Elvis movie the other week, so oh, yeah. um, you know, I've been wearing baby. less of the glasses. But yeah, uh, yeah. nice. This is what what a is. handsome gentleman. Also with us is Brandon. Hello. What's up? Nothing. I didn't have a nickname for you. That's okay. I didn't have time to think about one. Didn't have literally a week to think about <laughs> anything. I just was like, Brandon. Yeah, that's here me. Too. I'm here. Yeah. Um, ready to talk about games. Now, Brandon, when you first got here, we were talking about your dinner selection, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I didn't really comment on it because I wanted to be able to talk about it on the show, but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, Dustin, uh, a couple of weeks ago, maybe last week, I don't know when it was, gave us, he ordered them on Amazon, their taco shells, hard taco shells, mm-hmm. but they're Takis yes. flavored. Oh. And you said you ate them for dinner three nights last week, and then again tonight. Yeah. And I just want to I just want to know like how good are you feeling, man? I'm feeling great. I'm proud to admit this, actually. And I'm not a I'm not that, a hard, that wasn't derogatory, by the no, way. No, 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 no. I, I I just want to reinforce that. Um, but I'm not a hard shell taco guy. Yeah, me either. At all. I hate that it crumples. I hate that it's it's just difficult to eat. But I found the silver lining, and that's doing the crunch wrap method. Literally a silver lining. Yeah. Yeah. You put in silver. Putting the fucking the soft shell underneath and the hard shell stays inside. It's perfect. Mm-hmm. So I had taco meat the one night, beef standard, beautiful white people taco night through yeah, and through. For sure. Um, second night I had leftovers uh-huh. of that same night before. And then the third night I did scrambled eggs in there. And that's what I did again tonight. You know, within, within a week's time, I've had um, something in a tortilla with a talkie shell 
four nights. Yeah. Um, maybe not consecutive, um, but in my heart it was. Yeah. I mean, that's really what matters when you think about it. Yeah. And even though I'm not a hard shell man, uh-huh. these may have converted a little bit of me. I I didn't think that sometimes when you get something that's kind of gimmicky, you're like, all right, this is going to be all right. right. You know, it's, you know, you get Buffalo chicken chips or something like that. You're like, this is okay, but I'm just going to go eat Buffalo chicken if I want right. that flavor. These Takis hard shells are actually enhancing the experience. Oh, absolutely. Please try them. If you like Takis, if you like the Fuego specifically, I can't speak to any other flavor. Right. Fuego is the only flavor that holds Their the spot Their lime is good, but it's not as spicy as I would prefer. No, I want it to be spicy. And if anybody likes them, I'm sorry, but the blue is weird. The uh, blue yeah. is weird. It's weird, but I like it still. I don't like it. Yeah. But the Fuego, the classic Fuego, delicious. Dave, uh, up in Canada, do you guys have Takis there? <laughs> we do, yeah. Do you we like have... them? I do okay so i've only tried like one flavor and it was it was a very like spicy salty flavor and that's all i kind of got from it but hearing brandon kind of describe it in like that that taco sort of format makes it sound really really good and taco bell used to have something that was just like that but they actually melted cheese between the soft and the hard so you would have like soft melted cheese and then a crunch and then all of your filling. So, I mean, if I was able to find these uh, mystical Taki taco shells that you, you discuss up here in the great white North, um, I think that might convince me to, to, to try them. I don't well, know if I'd, I, I'm a Doritos guy through and through. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, that's, I don't need Takis because I love Doritos and that's Hold all I ever that. need. Cole ranch. Uh, Nacho or, or sweet chili. So it's there's two flavors of Doritos that matter and then a whole bunch that don't matter. And I I really have a hard time with this because like for me, the regular nacho flavor in the Cool Ranch is like 1A and 1B. Um, It's no like one and two. They're so good. They're so, so good. Sweet chili, though. Come on, dude. The purple. The purple is so fucking fire, dude. You cannot take that away from it. I don't hate it. I just I I would one hundred percent prefer either Cool Ranch or Nacho. Hundred percent. So Fair. Dave, I don't know about Canadian Amazon, but we Dustin actually found these Taki taco shells on um, the real Amazon. So maybe you could even find them on there if they don't have them at the store or something. I don't okay. know. Okay. Well, yeah. I'll give that a shot when we're done here because I I am very intrigued and uh, you know Brandon's talking about he ate tacos for dinner. I am having tacos tonight for dinner. We're doing yeah. shrimp tacos and corn tortillas. So yeah, it's, it's a taco. It's a nice way to spice up a cold winter. That's for sure. Absolutely. It's just, you know, some homemade tacos. They're so versatile. You can put whatever you want in them. We were talking about kimchi before the show, which is <laughs> so good. Dude, kimchi in there. Sometimes I, I won't do the beef. Sometimes I'll mix in ground turkey in there instead. Oh. I mix it up, man. I, I do all kind. I yeah. get creative up in that kitchen. I'm not much of a turkey guy, but I like by itself. Right. Uh, and if I'm going to eat it, I prefer the white meat. Sure. But I mean, that does sound good. Ground, ground turkey, you know. Dude, whenever yeah. you spice it up, you can hardly even tell. And that shit has way less fat. So it's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. But Dave would highly recommend the Fuego. It's a lime spicy tinge to a uh, nicely spiced meat. It's very good. Very, nice. very good. Would, would recommend. Thank you, Dustin. 
Dustin's not here. You don't need to thank him. I'm putting it into the ether. Pretty much ever, you don't need to thank him. Yeah, that's Just also true. Rule of thumb. I take it back. Guys, this is a little bit old news. Well, it's not really old news. The The old part of it is that uh, Microsoft had their developer direct last week. It was, you know, Microsoft and Bethesda together. And they basically just revealed some like oh, a few more details about some games and some release dates. Uh, before we move on to the surprise hit they dropped, and I'm going to talk about something that's more recent than that. Do either of you guys have anything to say about the developer direct real quick? It was good. Okay. Um, I think Microsoft has, has kind of fumbled these in a pat in the past, but I feel like it's been a long time before uh since they've they've kind of had a really boring one but i thought this one was really well done it only had four games and it was over in like 40 minutes uh four or five games or something like that but yeah it was really good and anytime you get a shadow drop like that um anytime you can end a developer direct and say out now like i love that i really really like that um but yeah it was it was good i hope to see more of this stuff um i was the biggest thing for me was the redfall release date and we got that and it's in the first half of the year so i was happy i came away happy yeah i'm really excited for redfall and i think that it wouldn't have taken much for me to kind of think that it was a decent showing just because there's not been a whole lot to be excited about yeah so the fact that there was a shadow drop which we could talk about what ended up dropping yep. and the Redfall info. I mean, I've said on the on the podcast before, I mean, I am excited for Redfall and to actually know that it's coming sooner than later, love to hear it. So anything from Xbox is good news to me at this point. Um, through and through, I just, I want more. So anything they're announcing, pretty much I'm kind of passingly interested in. So I think it was a good show. Concise is good. I think that's what they need. Don't fill it with crap especially when you don't have much to show, you know? So the fact that they made it short is actually really good. Well, what I wanted to talk about specifically, and you already, you know, we've already been talking about that. It was Hi-Fi Rush. And, uh, you know, a lot of times we, we hear people say that people who putting games out on, on game pass discourages sales and those games sell worse, sell worse. But according to steam DB, which has all the info from steam, and this is just one platform, obviously. It's actually it's the only other platform besides Xbox that the game was on. It was PC. Uh, it outsold new releases from last week, and one of those being Forspoken, which it's kind of <laughs> it's kind of a bad comparison because Forspoken had terrible reviews, but it still sold decently at least at launch week. We never talked about that. Uh, no, because those reviews came out in between last show and the show, and also who cares? Yeah, but it's just kind of funny. The writing was on the wall. That's yeah. all I'll say. Dave, I'm, I'm going to talk about... I'm just curious, though. I'm going to talk about Hi-Fi Rush later in the What You've Been Playing section. Have you played Hi-Fi Rush? Yes, and I'm very excited to talk about it. Nice. Brandon, you have not. I have not. I watched a video about it and was like instantly turned off by the visuals. Uh-huh. Um, it looked like... Well, we could talk about it later, but it, sure. it, it just reminded me weirdly of another game that I... Seem kind of generic in that way to me, I guess. But yeah. Well, anyway, all the bigger point I wanted to make was that even though a game shadow dropped with no marketing and it was on Game Pass, which literally uh, 25 or 30 million people already have free access to the game, it still was in the top sellers on Steam last week. That's good. So yeah, that's a good thing, I think. And the game, you know, Dave and I will talk about it, but it's a, 
it's at least being well received if not even better by everybody so i will say when i first saw the thumbnail on my game pass launcher on my computer uh-huh. i clicked on it because i thought it was a promo for sunset overdrive yeah <laughs> I'm not joking. That's actually why I clicked on it. Because I was like, oh, you know, I haven't played this game. I never beat it. I, I want to check this game out. It's been a long time. I want to try it on PC. Well, Sunset Overdrive is on there. I know, but yeah, I clicked on the wrong game yeah, is okay. what I'm saying. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll talk about more Hi-Fi Rush later. Uh, before that, we'll talk a little bit more about Steam. And actually, we're not really talking about Steam. That was just the segue. And when you when you explain that, that something was a segue, it ceases to be a good segue. So that's how that works. And this is a segment. But according to Twisted Voxel, GTA the Trilogy is supposed to get a new patch on Steam to fix some issues. I can't imagine what issues that game would have. This says, quote, it appears that GTA the Trilogy Definitive Edition will be receiving a patch on Steam in order to fix its glaring technical issues. Rockstar Games may be working on a patch. All three games included in this edition, GTA 3, Vice City, and San Andreas have been updated, though it's unclear to see where there are potential fixes for the game's technical issues included in this update. Previously, an indie game developer had a look at the game files for both Steam and Rockstar launcher versions of GTA, the trilogy, the Defensive Edition, I don't know why they feel the need to list out the entire name of it every time, revealing that not too much had changed and the game continued to suffer from technical issues. The major patch that was supposed to have fixed a large number of the glaring technical issues with GTA, the trilogy, the Defensive Edition, <laughs> hardly fixed any of the set issues. Uh, the patch also led to new glitches, et cetera, et cetera. As exciting as it is to know that the game has arrived on Steam, Rockstar will need to significantly improve the state of the game as soon as possible, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, how the hell, Brandon, has Rockstar not fixed three of their largest titles ever? I mean, I know that they weren't the ones who directly worked on it, but doesn't this seem like it should be somewhat of a priority for them to get it fixed? I'll tell you why. Well, they don't care. <laughs> it's a fucking cash grab that's yeah. what it's been from the beginning yeah. that is literally all it is and that's what that's what we've said from the beginning that's why they don't care yeah. because the people that want to play it just want to play it and unless half of the internet is out crying about it most people just don't fucking care anymore most of the people that are gonna care know that it sucks and either bought it and are disappointed or bought it and are just dealing with it yeah um, or don't care at all. There's the third kind of person. And uh, yeah, I just really think this is a cash grab for cash grab's sake. And it is disgusting yeah. what they've done to this beloved trilogy as being someone who's bought it. And uh, the fact that they're fumbling the bag so hard on PC makes me, gives me literally zero hope for the console version. Like I'm just, I'm packing it away with my other games and it will just sit there forever and I won't play it. Yeah, that's just how it's going to go, because I, on principle, almost would rather play the old versions of the game now. Right. Um, Just because, you know, at least there was care put into that. Right. So. Dave, do you care about the trilogy? Wait, sorry. Say it right, Ben. Grand Theft Auto, the trilogy, Definitive Edition. TM. TM. Uh, I No, and I'm really surprised that this far removed from launch they they're actually still making fixes um i i didn't play the definitive trilogy remake remaster grand theft whatever Uh um but it's i i'm surprised it wasn't i I assume it's in a playable state and i assume it has been um you know since shortly after launch when they had all the issues but i'm with you brandon like i would much rather not only just play the original versions if I had access to them, but I would rather go out 
find a PS2, find a physical copy of Vice City, and like that would be nostalgic to me. And like that principal factor that you mentioned as well, because we all know what this is. If Rockstar actually cared, they would have taken the due diligence and care themselves to make this, but they didn't. And, you know, the product, we saw immediately what it was. So, yeah, no, I, I don't care. It's I, almost like they didn't even try. Yeah. Like, like they didn't even try and backpedal. They didn't even really try and fix it. They just let it go and seriously just coasted. They've been coasting. And I'm assuming that it's much worse on PC than on console because that's how it ends up going most of the time it's a very old game trying to run on uh you know hardware that's significantly more powerful and i'm sure that breeds a lot of weird issues especially when you have computers fixing the game in the first place i'm sure it's just a nightmare um but yeah it's just uh it's sad to see like i said back then and i'll say it again very sad to see from rockstar so yeah it's not gta online so they don't give a fuck that, no, yeah, I mean, I mean so. there's there's some truth to that, I think, for sure. I am disappointed, even though I was probably never going to pick it up. There's so many new games and games I have never played to go back. I mean, let me think. I think probably between all three of those games, I've got 500 hours invested. Oh, I would bet, yeah. Which is funny to think about because that's a really long time, but I have 300 hours in Modern Warfare 2 that came out in October. <laughs> but that's a different story entirely. <laughs> And most of those were in November and December, yeah, which we're is like the most in insane part. The first month and a half. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Moving on past Rockstar shittiness, we've got a rumor. And this one, it's kind of not surprising, but it also is, I guess. IGN says exclusive Xbox, Nintendo and Sony won't be part of E3 2023. E3's first physical event in four years was supposed to be a triumphant return for the trade show, an opportunity to recapture some of the excitement of past conventions. However, it appears that when E3 2023 hits the Los Angeles Convention Center in June, it will be without three of its most important draws. IGN has heard from multiple knowledgeable sources, et cetera, et cetera. So we just heard that, you know, E3 is coming back, physical. They put out, like, you know, information about the show and everything like that. And speaking with IGN last week, Xbox, this is a quote, Xbox CEO Phil Spencer said the platform holder is thinking its showcase with E3 at, at a moment convenient for press and even consumers at the event, meaning it's likely to roughly align with the event itself. Spencer also stressed Xbox's public support for E3 and the ESA. However, IGN understands that the booth, that the Xbox won't have a booth on the show floor. Now, I want to get out ahead of this and say, Sony hasn't been at E3 in a little while. Like the last year or two, that E3 was a physical thing. They haven't been there. Nintendo's always been there, but the rumor right now is that they won't be there. Xbox hasn't been on the show floor in years and years. They've had an event right next to it at the Microsoft Center, which we think is probably still happening, but I think this is saying they may not even do that. But Dave, I want to hear what you think about the big three. Is E3 going to be worth worth having if like the main three publishers and you know really where you play all your games, except for PC, are going to be? Um... I, I don't so there's two ways I'm looking at this. Number one, the obvious thing is this this is trouble for the ESA because I mean when your three headliners are are posturing towards not participating in this show that you've been trying to revive for the past five or six years, um, it doesn't really bode well. Um, on the flip side though, like I, I'm okay with this because 
I've really gotten used to seeing these directs that I really, really like, because as we kind of talked at the beginning of the show with Bethesda, they're getting better at them. And um, I just think they're more well done and more focused. So I'm, I would be okay if E3 became more of a third party and indie showcase um, for gaming, because I mean, we're still going to get summer game fest. We're still going to get directs peppered throughout the year. Um, So I don't necessarily think that, you know, the big three need to be there because again, they're already doing their own stuff. So from just like a consumer perspective, I don't care, but I hope this means that we see more uh, of a spotlight shined on some of the third party stuff. Cause I feel like, you know, since this generation started, it's been kind of first party or nothing. Um, that's what's getting all the attention, but um, you know, we're still getting a lot of really quality third party games and they can kind of get lost in the shuffle a lot. So, you know, this might be an opportunity for them to, to kind of have the focus a little bit over the course of the summer months. So, um, in any case, this isn't good for the ASA. Uh, I'm sure they're not making much money on the show, if anything, from sponsorships. And, you know, sponsors aren't going to like the idea that Sony, Microsoft, and Nintendo may not be participating. But um, some good could come out of this. So I'm kind of trying to look at it from from different perspectives there. You're right, Dave, in that, like, as far as we know, and Brandon, we can switch over to you. Yeah. You know, Square Enix, Ubisoft, uh, other publishers that i can't think of right now (laughs) you know they're they're still probably going to be there at least as far as we know we haven't heard otherwise um but i think for us as consumers well and i say us but i've i've gone to e3 the last few years that they've had it but as consumers you don't always even know what's at on the show floor at e3 and what's not as long as they have a conference of some sort you're probably going to see it whether it's a direct or whether it's you know otherwise but the real benefit of being on the show for at E3 is all the press and especially if they do the early press access and stuff like that. But I don't know, is, is there less or more of a reason to attend E3 as whether a consumer or a media person? Yeah. Uh, I think we will see a shift in E3 as we've been predicting for years now. I think they will continue to adapt. I don't know that they'll go away. Mm -hmm. And I don't know that this necessarily means that they're in trouble. But I see E3 becoming, as it's been, shifting towards for many years now, a full-blown consumer event. I imagine it's going to be more akin to a PAX now Mm -hmm. than anything else. Not to say that these other companies won't show their face like EA and Ubisoft, you know, the nine yards. But... I see it going in that direction as it has been since they've made the change many years ago now to consumers being allowed to purchase tickets. Yeah. One. Two. These companies don't need E3 anymore. They just simply don't. Dave said it perfectly. Between the directs and everything, going to the customer themselves for companies of this size, I don't think it makes sense in the age of the internet. Back, way back, in the prehistoric days, pre-internet, <laughs> this sort of thing was incredibly beneficial. Sure. You know, I mean, obviously the event was different back then, but nonetheless, it just doesn't work the same. And for these huge companies to be able to put on events outside of E3, I'm surprised they didn't catch on to this idea sooner and that we we got as many years with these companies as we did at E3, to be honest with you. Sure. Uh, you know, in hindsight. But um, I don't know whether it spells trouble. Um, I think that 
I personally would not be surprised if we continued to see, because correct me if I'm wrong, it's still, consumers can still get in, but it's not, but there's like a limited amount of consumers that can get in. It's not like a full consumer show. Yeah, they've raised it a little bit every year, but consumers can still buy tickets. Um, There are, I think, specific days this year. This hasn't been the case in the past, but this year, I think there are going to be specific days that are only allowed for media. Okay. Whereas you're right, like at PAX, it's mostly consumer. You can still be media there, but there's only one hour on one of the days that's, at least in the, in right. the past, right. been exclusively for media access. Right. So that's kind of what I see happening is is we're just going to keep every year. It's just going to keep inching, which is how they're going to survive, to be frank. Right. Um, but and why they made the change initially, I think. Yeah. Um, but this yeah. is fine by me. I, <laughs> with the amount of directs summer game fest uh, we have so many good gaming events now that we did not have 10 years ago um yeah. that i'm not mad sure. i'm not mad whatsoever um because they're good sony's n- known how to put one on for a while now microsoft we just talked about a good one nintendo directs are always disappointing be it <laughs> by in in some way, not just me, people always have grandiose ideas that Nintendo never follows through with. Yeah. But um, I will say that the last year I was there, Sony wasn't there on the show floor. And Xbox, of course, wasn't on the show floor as they hadn't been for a few years, although you could walk across the street and see them. And Nintendo was still there. And Nintendo was like half of one of the halls, it felt like, as they've been for a long time. But it Everything else felt empty. I mean, and there were actually spots on the floor that were empty, which was very different from the year before when Sony was there. But it felt emptier in general, not from people being there. But you said about this mostly being a consumer event, and I agree that's probably the way it will go. But will it? Will consumers go if the big three aren't there? Like, will that diminish people's desire to attend? How big of a presence does Microsoft PAX and Nintendo have it, things like PAX, a single booth. Microsoft, Sony, and Nintendo? Yeah. A yeah, single a single booth, but it's usually like a quarter of the floor. And I and think PlayStation like one about the last I don't PAX. know about a quarter. The Nintendo booth probably takes up one tiny corner of the Boston Hall. Yeah. But I, I get what you're saying, but yeah. I'm saying like, even if E3 has changed, yeah. people our age remember what E3 was, and sure. I would want to go just to see it one day. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I'm not shitting on it being a consumer event. I think that that is, you know, a change that was inevitable at some point. Sure. But I don't necessarily think this is going to stop people from going. It won't entice people that, that those three things aren't there. I'll say that, but it'll sell no yeah. matter what, because it's E3, it, at least for a while. And stuff, unless stuff changes dr- dr- drastically for them. Sure. So. Dave, this one's for you. Thanks, man. You're welcome, buddy. It says, uh, this is directly from uh, from EA, Star Wars. It says, Star Wars Jedi Survivor now arrives April 28th. In a tweet they put out today, uh, it says exactly, for the last three years, the Jedi team here at Respawn have poured its collective heart and soul into Star Wars Jedi Survivor, and we are proud to say the next chapter in the tale of Cal Kestis is con- content complete. We are now focused entirely on the final stages, bug fixes to enhance performance, stability, polish, and most importantly, the player experience. Jedi Survivor is a direct response to the feedback from our community, delivering expansive destinations to explore evolved content and traversal, and of course, the continuation of Cal and BD's story. Making this game has truly, 
made us a better team and we have pushed ourselves at every level to make the star wars sequel our fans expect from respawn and lucasfilm games in order for the team i don't know why you needed two paragraphs to build up to this in order for the team to hit the respawn quality bar provide the team with the time they need and achieve the level of polish our fans deserve we've added six crucial weeks to increase to six crucial weeks to our release schedule star wars jedi survivor will now launch globally on april 28th etc thank you may the force be with you 17 other signatures signed respawn lucasfilm and electronic arts dave this is like one of your most anticipated games right now yeah and this pushes it into uh like just Redfall over territory. a week after before redfall so that's that's kind of irritating i i like my you know my most anticipated to be nice and and spread out and as it was before it was i i had a good thing going here but this is okay because I mean, um, I seem to recall that uh, Fallen Order released in a pretty good state. Uh, I don't really recall people talking a lot about um, bugs and glitches and all that kind of stuff. So that's yeah, a little um, framey, but other than that, you're right. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully this means that um, Jedi Survivor is gonna gonna release in um, in a bit of a different state. Or sorry, in in a, in a positive state. So I mean, six weeks—it's not the end of the world, you know. If they push it into, you know, a a nondescript quarter, you know, like Q three twenty twenty four, or for holiday or something, and they weren't really committed to like a new date, I'd be concerned. But right. that isn't the case here. Um, if I could be a bit of a conspiracy theorist for a sec, I wonder if maybe part of this could have been anticipatory for Starfield because I get the feeling that um, people probably don't want to touch Starfield's release date and we don't know what it is yet. But what we do know is that uh, Redfall is coming in early May. Um, That means, you know, Starfield's, you know, Microsoft and Bethesda would probably want a nice bit of runway before, um, you know, between the two games. So may- maybe, maybe is, is, is there a possibility that EA is, is sort of positioning themselves to kind of, kind of give March to Starfield if that's still happening um, and give themselves some nice separation from that. I don't know. I'm just being a conspiracy theorist here. Sure. I know in all likelihood it's probably coming in the summer and that's not the case, but uh, you know, I right. can, I can wonder and put my tinfoil hat on, but in any case, I'm okay with this. It's only six weeks and uh, it, the product will be better for it. Yeah. Yeah. So was this announcement that I understand this correctly? This is them saying it's gone gold and they're delaying it. Um, I don't know if they were saying it's gone gold, but they, this is the first time they mentioned it's content complete, which I can't imagine that they would have just now been content complete. Cause usually that happens much earlier. Right. But I think they're just reassuring that oh, okay. we're not still working on figuring out the game. We're just fixing right. all the bugs. Right. Okay. That's my guess. This isn't that bad. I agree with Dave nailing down a specific time frame is very important. Yeah. And six weeks is the least <laughs> worrisome delay amount that I've heard in a while. So, yeah, I feel like it's way better to say, okay, we need six more weeks than to say, this game isn't coming out right now. We'll let you know when, like Starfield did. Yeah, or like two quarters from now. Yeah. You know, like six six weeks is six Or like weeks. Skull and Bones, sometime yeah. within the next two years. When the Portuguese government... <laughs> Even though it was us... supposed to come out three months ago. <laughs> yeah, Portuguese government. Not Portuguese. <laughs> what? Who, who is it? Singapore? Singapore. Oh, shit. My bad. It's all good. They're close, right? On the map. I don't know. 
I, I'm just going to be honest. They're not. They're way, way. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they're yeah. They're pretty close. Portugal's right? in South America. Um, <laughs> Singapore's in Asia. See, this is why I leave the 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 maps. Did stuff. you just say Portugal's in South America? Did I? Yes, you did. And we're moving on. <laughs> it's getting worse. Portugal's not in South America. I knew what I meant, and that's all I care about. <laughs> I was thinking of Brazil when I first said it, but it's not. They're very far apart still, Brandon. That's what I'm getting at. Fair enough. It's Skull and Bones fall, really. It is Skull and Bones. <laughs> Let's just it leave just it makes that. you dumb. It's yeah, it's a it game does. that just that's hurts why, your brain. You know what? That's why I'm okay. <laughs> but I'm not I'm not as upset about the fact you don't know where Portugal is as I am about the fact you thought the game was being made in Portugal, even though you've talked about it being made in Singapore for the yeah. last decade. My mind just says wild things sometimes. Yeah. I think I know what I'm saying, but I don't. It's, I mean, it's something that happens to all of us from time to time. Yeah. Yeah. Next up. Um, Sorry, am I, before we move on, am I crazy on the Starfield thing or, or I'm crazy, right? Uh, what about Starfield? I don't know. Do you guys think it's going to be that big of a, I don't know. I'm not saying it's not going to be big and I'm not saying that there isn't some hype around it, but I'm so mad on the game until I actually see more. I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm sure it's going to be fine. I don't know. Do we think it's going to be this revolutionary, game-changing, uh, you know, game of the year type run? I don't know. Starfield will be great, but it will not live up to anyone's expectations unless they are. W- and this here's the thing. What I'm saying is, no game could live up to the expectations people have for Starfield, but people will make it live up to it by. Dude, it's having like the No Man's Sky expectation thing, kind of. Yeah, it's just bit. like everyone's so fucking hyped for this space yeah. game and how cool it's going to be and how many, you know, all these worlds and all these cool building. And I just think that whenever you wait for something for so long and you get little tidbits and then it keeps getting delayed, I don't know. So my theory was, is I, I think at the moment this is, um, in some people some people's eyes, the most anticipated game of this year. And, you know, publishers might be looking at that and saying, if we have an opportunity to move it out of what we think might be its launch window, now's the time to do it. Am I crazy there? I think that's probably true. No, that's fair. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Next story. (laughs) (laughs) I can't handle it anymore. I'm sorry, dude. Speaking I, of I things, fucked up about the Portuguese. Okay, things, I'm sorry, dude. Things that are near Portugal, um, let's, such as Hawaii, obviously. Dude, don't um, even start. We all know Hawaii's know. over there in Europe, so dude, I mean, don't even fuck it. <laughs> it's near the Dead Sea, right? Eurogamer, <laughs> Eurogamer says that Ubisoft has announced the Crew Motorfest, a new era for its open-world racing series that'll whisk players off to Hawaii when it launches for PlayStation, Xbox, and PC later this year. Specifics on the new live service game are fairly limited, but the Crew Motorfest, as its name very much suggests, it's themed around a one-of-a-kind motoring festival, presumably even more one-of-a-kind if you pretend Forza Horizon doesn't exist, featuring tailor-made races, themed events, and other unique challenges. All this unfolds on the island of Oahu, described as the perfect playground for players to have fun together in with their vehicles. The entire island will be open to explore the entire island of Oahu. Interesting. The entire island will be open to explore, giving players access to the likes of volcano slopes, steep mountain roads, rainforest, and sunny beaches, with the Crew Motorfest promising hundreds of the most legendary vehicles. Dave, you wanted to talk about this, and you and Brandon are both more car game people than I am, but talk about it. Oh, man. Um, It's car and Ubisoft, Dave. It's like 
It's like your own wet dream. <laughs> yeah, you'd think, but not in this case. <laughs> um, I, you know, this didn't need to be proven, but I think EA showed us earlier this year with, or I guess it was late last year, um, with you know their new Need for Speed game that um, there is room for plenty of arcade racers um, out there. Like it doesn't just have to be Forza Horizon and a bunch of pretenders. Um, but I'm sure when um, Playground Games and Microsoft unveiled Forza Horizon 5 like two years ago, the developers of this game must have been like, oh, fuck. Mm-hmm. Um, because the setting, um, the festival setup, the visuals, uh, just watch this trailer and and then go and watch like a Forza Horizon 5 trailer and like, there is way too much that's similar here. Even like that, you know, the, the little descriptors that you gave there, like you can drive through rainforest and on a volcano and uh, all these different biomes. It's like, did they, like they, they just happened to pick a biome that was so close and looks so much like Forza Horizon 5, um, Forza Horizon 5's Mexico. So um, they are up against it here with the crew, uh, whatever it's called. Um, because it just, it does not differentiate enough. And, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm just going to go out and say right now that I'm sure playground games is going to do this a lot better than Ubisoft can. Um, I'm sure people will buy it. I'm sure they'll like it, but, um, man, oh man, it, it's, it looks again, I'm not saying it's a ripoff cause I'm sure this game has been in development for a long, long time, but I kind of feel for them cause they, <laughs> they, it's, uh, yeah, I don't know. It, I just, yeah. Anyways. Dave, can you blame them? No, I mean, uh, I guess replication is a is a pretty strong form of flattery, but um, I don't know. It's just this game is going to live in the shadow of Forza Horizon, and and again, you know, with Need for Speed earlier this year, like people really liked that game and it sold really well, but it, it did a lot differently. Um, you had yeah. a lot of fun in cars, but in a much different way. But like everything about this launch trailer made it look like Forza Horizon 5. Um, so... Are they going to have a Hot Wheels track? Probably. Yeah. Call it supposedly a Playmobil or something like that, but <laughs> I don't know. Brandon, I thought Forza Horizon had a lot of markers on the map, mm-hmm. and it does. Mm-hmm. This is an Ubisoft game, though. Is it possible? <laughs> is it possible to fit more side quests and more more useless markers on the map? The answer to that is always yes. Yes. Um, I want to poo-poo this game, but simultaneously, I feel like I often don't get many fixes for car games that are actually above a standard quality for next-gen games. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping, I'm hoping that this game is good. Yeah, I don't love that it may seem to be a ripoff, but that being said, anything that is like Forza Horizon 5, I will probably like for that reason. So, I'm glad that this team has scaled down their ambitions. I don't know if you guys remember the crew too, yeah. the entire map of the fucking US. Yeah. So, I'm glad they've scaled it down to a single fucking island. Not only one state, <laughs> but one island of that state. <laughs> so, that's yeah. good. Um and I lightly dabbled with the crew too. Um it's on the central tier or whatever the top tier um playstation is yeah um i've tried it a couple times when i was trying it it was incredibly old at that point so i feel like i wasn't able to see it with fresh eyes yeah but i'm interested to see what they're going to be able to bring 
So I want to be a naysayer on this, but to be honest with you, I'm just excited to have another game after having played the latest Need for Speed and loved it. Mm-hmm. Um, I just want more, yeah. more car games, and I don't want it to be a track game. As much as I love GT7 and I may end up trying motorsport one day um i wanted to be off the track maybe maybe that's just me gt7 was the only one that i broke the mold as far as that goes um just because it's like a different caliber of game in my opinion um, as far as car games go um but i don't know when it's super simmy and you're trying to keep me on a track some of the magic is lost for me a little or when it's not super simmy if I'm on a track, I want it to be like legit. Like I'm a fucking race car driver. If it's like motorsport and it's somewhere in between, I feel like I want to just be drifting around the corners and I don't want to be on a track. Does that make sense? Yeah. What I'm saying? I think so. So I don't know. I'm about it. I want it to be really good. And I think that the crew too had some really cool ideas for a multiplayer game back in the day. So I'm excited. I'm excited to see how they build upon that really. Um, and I hope they do. I hope they don't literally just beat for beat rip off <laughs> Microsoft shit. But I guess we'll see. Yeah. I need to watch the trailer. I haven't got a chance to see it. I just heard you guys talking about it. So, yeah. If you're an athlete, you know, the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Two more stories, and then we'll get into what we've been playing. The first one, Dave mentioned this to me before we started. Gamatsu reports that Rumbleverse is to end service on February 28th. And there's an ad for some game on the screen here it just popped up and covered everything rumblers we have an important update they, they just copied and pasted the the quote rumblers we have an important update on the future of rumbleverse iron galaxy studios and epic games are very sorry to share that season two will be the last for rumbleverse the project has been a labor of love to create a new experience in a popular and highly competitive genre for games if you've been part of that journey we thank you whether you jumped on into the first play test after a reveal or just shot yourself out of the cannon for the first time Live services for Rumble Rumbleverse will go offline on Tuesday, February 28th at 10 a.m. CST. Any player who has spent money on Rumbleverse is eligible for a refund of money spent on or in the game. Excuse me. This includes the purchase of Rumbleverse Battle Pass or Brawlhalla Bill or Brawla Bills on any platform. We will share an FAQ page with additional information soon about refunds. Later today, we're deploying the final update to Rumbleverse. We're closing the store and opening the full experience to every player. The current battle pass will be granted to everyone. Your XP gains will be doubled, so you can fast-track unlocks for every rank. I don't know why <laughs> you care about unlocks, but whatever. Uh, that, was, that was me. That wasn't the, that wasn't the quote. The, uh, your XP uh, quads, trios, duos, and solos will be live. We've unlocked additional accessories and emotes 
in the game for free as well. They're like, we're closing. Who the hell cares? Do whatever you want in the game. Uh, so this game, yeah, games shut down all the time. This game came out in mid-August of last year. So it had 2022, all of October, November, December, January, plus half of August. So four and a half plus another month, call it February. So five months. Yikes. Big yikes. And they're already shutting it down. So if you're ever, this seems to be a new thing when games shut down, they just make everything free. So if you're playing a game and you're like, wow, why is everything free? Yeah. Just prepare yourself to mourn. <laughs> don't get attached. Yeah. I was going to say, just don't look at the internet. Just keep playing like nothing's going on <laughs> until it just, you, you ride out into the sunset on accident. Dave, uh, I, I don't think any of us played Rumbleverse, but are you interested in hopping in between now and uh, the end of February? No, no. It's um, I these these free to play games must have a really really short leash, um, and the fact that they're doing uh, this differently than Square Enix did with Avengers tells me that they're offering refunds because nobody actually bought anything. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it's too bad, but um, I I don't know anybody who played. Do you? <laughs> uh, I don't know that I've ever heard of it other than seeing it online. I saw yeah. some streamers playing it, but I would bet money that it was sponsored streams. So, yeah, I would imagine. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it, and I like how they said, like, it's a it's a competitive market. And, you know, there's a lot of other games in this style. It's like, well, yeah. Why would you put it out? Yeah, there's a lot of games. So there's like three that are popular. Right. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, like I don't... <laughs> you have to be really good to succeed <laughs> right. in that market, especially right. as a free to play, essentially uh, brawler royale. And I guess it is at least square gave Avengers the fighting chance. To be fair, they had to. They had to. They yeah. had to. Yeah. But it just goes to show um, how non-attached to something you should be nowadays when right. it's online. Well, in fairness, Avengers at least sold a couple million copies. Right. And they got a bag from Microsoft for Game Pass at some point. But is this Rumble free completely? Do we know that? For it sure? is free completely. Okay. Which means that whatever their model was, either the game wasn't good enough for anyone to care or people were playing the game, but they didn't care about the Battle Pass and you know right. spending money on the game which if you put out a free game and nobody pays for the extra free the extra things then, then that's the whole point. that's the whole yeah. point so yeah yeah they didn't even want to you know make a meaningful change or anything i guess i gotta respect them for at least you know you kind of have to cut your losses with <laughs> yeah. something like this yeah, really? like and iron galaxy aren't they didn't i'm trying to look here iron galaxy has done work for other companies of course um what else have they done here let's see Reketeer, Dive Kick, Killer Instinct Season 2, uh, Extinction, and Rumbleverse. Killer Instinct Season 2. Killer Extinction. Instinct has seasons? And Season 3. The fighting game has seasons? This yeah. is news to me. I thought that that was an old-ass fucking fighting series. I would not have expected it to have live service elements. Well, no, they, they re-release... I mean, they released Killer Instinct in like 2013, right at the beginning of the Xbox One. Oh, yeah, I remember that. And then they did seasons for it, kind of like they do with like Mortal Kombat or anything. Okay. Yeah. I never realized that. Yeah. Last story Sony slashes PlayStation VR headset, VR2 headset output after pre orders disappoint. <sighs> this comes from Bloomberg and they have locked it from me like a bunch of bastards. Let me find the free article because I'm not paying Bloomberg for anything ever. That's probably not true. I probably have somehow inadvertently. According to Ars Technica, uh, Sony is drastically scaling back its scales, sales expectations for, for next month's launch of the PlayStation VR 2 headset. 
The PlayStation 5 maker now expects to sell just 1 million PSVR units by the end of March, down from sales expectations of 2 million units in that period, as reported last October. Sony expects to sell about 1.5 million more headsets in the following fiscal year, which ends in March 2024, according to the report. The scaled-back sales expectations would put the PSVR 2 slightly ahead of the pace set by the original PSVR headset, which sold just under a million units in the first four months and 2 million units in over a year. But that kind of sales pace looks less impressive today when a headset like the MetaQuest 2 can sell a reported 2.8 million units in its first quarter. Uh, Dave, PSVR 2, 500 bucks. Quest 2, 300 bucks. Well, at least at launch it was. Well, excluding the hardware for the PSVR 2. (laughs) What do you mean? You you need need a console. console. Oh, you also need a console. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) You need a TV too. Yeah, you do need a TV. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. you don't, have, however, need quite as much room as you need for the uh, the Quest. I think the Quest probably would require a little bit more room than the PSVR requires, but that's a different. I'm I'm getting off track. Dave, um, surprising? Not surprising. No, no. Um, we talked about this probably uh, a lot, um, but the Quest is is popular for a reason. It's accessible. Um, the barrier for entry is low and there's, there's a lot of good software on the platform. Um, I, I, I was always underwhelmed with what Sony was bringing to the table from a software standpoint. The only thing I'd be interested to play would be the horizon game. And from a quality perspective, it seems like there's that, and then there's everything else, which mostly seems like recycled games from the PSVR one era. Uh, there was the backwards compatibility thing, which people try to justify, but it just never made sense. But at the end of the day, if you want to be competitive, just being Sony isn't enough. Um, price is big. And, uh, you know, I, I wish they had learned their lesson from the PS3 era just because it's it's cutting edge technology and it looks really cool. Doesn't mean people are going to buy it. So this isn't surprising, um, you know, being shy of your forecast by a million units or uh you know that amount is is a lot so yeah this is this is too bad for fans of vr but i can't say i'm surprised this is probably going to go the way that the first vr did it's it's funny to me brandon that they only let you order pre-order initially with invites until they opened it up to everyone else, that tells me that they thought there was a lot more demand for that. I mean, not only those cutting the sales forecast, the fact that they were only letting people pre-order with an invite tells me they thought a lot more people wanted this than really ended up wanting it. Yeah, yeah, they they're delusional, and they have been delusional about this product for a long time. Yeah, um, I feel like they really should have taken the PSVR one numbers instead of looking at the numbers quest was pulling because i think that's probably what they did they forecasted they said hey look at the look at the interest in vr look how many units these other companies are selling right but there's many differentiating factors i mean price being one of them but as we talked about the additional hardware required yeah and it's just and the software don't don't even get me started on the software we've already been down this road and talked about it but this doesn't surprise me at all i just feel like this is very tone death of of uh sony for even thinking they would have sold two million units by march are you fucking kidding me i wouldn't even be surprised if they don't hit this goal and it's halved well if they're only forecasting one million then that means less than that have pre-ordered it right which is insane that's bad so i don't know man 
I've been having bad feelings about this VR headset since the beginning of its launch. Um, and after the price point being announced, I have felt nothing but bad since then, even worse. Yeah. So, you know, and this is coming from someone who's kind of like from the outside looking in because I would like to one day be interested in VR, but, and Sony could have been the ones to do it. Sure. But no go. It's funny because there was a little while there where I, I like I got an invite multiple times, which should have been an indicator anyway. <laughs> like, please. I got an invite and they were like, you know, pre-order whatever. And, and in my head, I'm like, I don't really want to pre-order this. I know that I won't play it because I don't play my current VR systems very much right now. I like them, but I just don't play them very much. And I can't see spending 500 bucks on something I know I'm not going to play much. But man, I want to play Call of the Mountain so bad. Yeah. And then I was like, that's the only game that I want to play and won't be able to play as of right now that we know about. Right. And I could just watch somebody play it. It won't be the same. It's not in VR. But if I really want to play it for the story or I want to know about the story and I want to see what they do with the world. Right. I could just watch somebody play it or read about it. If that's the because it, it's not worth to me spending five hundred dollars on one game. Right. And so, yeah, I may be just completely pessimistic right now. But guys, I really don't think it's going to be game changing. No pun intended. The new system, <laughs> no this this Horizon game. Oh, no, like I think it is going to be super cool. Like every single VR experience ever is. Yeah, but I do not think it's going to be worth the buy-in, mm-hmm. and I don't think it ever was going to be. Does anybody else think Jim Ryan's days might be numbered? He just keeps racking up the misses with Jim Ryan Sony. Yes, but they're still. I mean, they're still making profits. They're yeah, still, I just think that. Uh, He's, yeah, he's a businessman, not a, not a creator. I agree with that because this is tone deaf. Yeah. And I feel like someone should be advising more uh, for a couple of the decisions this gentleman's made. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, you're, you may not be wrong, Dave, but I think as long as the shareholders are happy with the money they're getting, there's no reason to change leadership. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I'm just a lowly gamer, but I don't know. You think about PS Plus, this this is VR2 thing is probably was a significant investment because it's hardware that it looks like is going to underperform. Um, I think the remakes that nobody asked for are probably selling quite well. So th- that's one that I don't like, but I, I know from you know a revenue standpoint, that's probably bringing stuff in. But I don't know. I just feel like he's racking up the misses and and yeah. Well, t- well tell me this, guys. They used to give you PSVR games with PlayStation Plus. Yeah. That would be an amazing way to incentivize and help people that are interested in PSVR too. Are they bringing that back? I don't think they've said anything about that. I don't think they are. I've heard nothing. So I'm glad you well, said that. And they wouldn't do it right away either. Why like, not? Because they would, I mean, nobody would want to say, old, I mean, unless they say they're going to launch games on it. Old but. ass games? Yeah. So well, do you think compatible. that would be enough for it to, oh, and, to sway okay. a $500 decision on hardware though? Like it's, I get free games are good, but I just feel like that price tag is too much to coax people or at least not enough to, to make a dent in what they need to sell to actually turn a significant right. profit on this. I'm agreeing with you, Dave, but I also think it could have been something, yeah. you know, like, like right. it could have been something, but could have been a contender. It could have been a also, here's the other thing is that, and we'll move on after this. If they're cutting their forecast and they sell less games, less developers will want to develop for it because why would you want to develop, spend time and money into making a game 
for a system that doesn't have a high attach rate. Exactly. So it's just going to hurt the people who are invested even more, in my opinion, which sucks for those people. But yeah, maybe they'll do drastic price drops quickly and cut their losses in that way. And I don't see them doing that either. No, I don't see them doing that. But if they can make it up in quantity of uh, like if they turn out, if the PSVR turns out that every game they put out like has like an 80 percent attach rate and they can make money that way more than they thought they would, you know, then maybe they'll drop the price if they're seeing that people are buying more games. But yeah, you not only have to buy the $500 system plus the $500 PlayStation, you also have to then spend at least, I think the cheapest game is probably going to be 20 bucks. Call it another 40 for the big hitters. Well, dude, like I cannot imagine by any stretch of the imagination that your average consumer, like just run of the mill, nine to five person even maybe even knows about this sure that there's a new one coming out and i'm saying that's the entire problem (laughs) is is you know like the people that are going to buy it are going to be people like us and we're not even that interested right so (laughs) i don't know it's 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 strange it's very strange Let's talk about what we've been playing. Dave, uh, I want you and I to talk about SpongeBob first. Ooh. We got a review codes from, and Brandon wasn't interested, but we got review codes from uh, from THQ and Evolve uh, for Cosmic Shake, the new game that came out today. Dave, you played a little bit. I want to hear your impressions. Yeah, so um, this is my first SpongeBob game. It's also my first experience with SpongeBob in general. I haven't seen the show, um, but uh, I guess to kind of put it out there, after playing this game, I want to watch the show. It, I know it's a kid's show, but the humor and sort of the characters and stuff came across well, um, so... Yeah, I mean, I enjoyed it. It it definitely seems like um, Cosmic Shake is geared towards a younger audience um, just because of how easy the game is. Like, there isn't a lot of challenge. Anytime you have combat encounters, like, there's health everywhere. Um, the platforming is pretty forgiving, but it was tight and precise, which is what you want in a platformer. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, like again the humor was there and having not had any exposure to spongebob like the fact that it got me to laugh um patrick was my favorite um is a good thing uh again i I haven't watched the show but the production quality um seemed to be what i assume is up to standard with the show uh i think all the voice actors are the same from the show um so yeah i mean it was a good game it was fun it was simple um i haven't finished it but i want to go back in and play more and um, you know, there's a lot of collecting to do in the game and, and Brent, uh, Ben, you and I talked about this, but, um, I, I believe the collecting, all it is, is getting currency so you can buy more outfits. Um, and, and that's okay. Cause I mean, the, as, as I said, it's fun platforming, so it's fun to collect more stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, a couple little niggles. Um, I, I didn't, I thought that SpongeBob didn't really have enough voice lines when you're actually playing. Cause he kept kind of repeating the same thing. So he would be like, uh, he's, he kept saying something like, uh, a dabble do ya. Like that was just like a quip he had, but he just kept saying it over and over again. Yeah. Um, or he like, he made another comment about like, um, I don't know. I don't know, but he just, he didn't have enough voice lines and it got to a point where, 
like the little quips he shouts out when you're playing just got annoying. Right. Um, I played on mouse and keyboard rather than on a gamepad, and it was perfectly fine. So yeah, I like this game. If you like SpongeBob, uh, if you're okay with an easier game, then I would recommend checking this out. So what did you think, Ben? I know you had a review that went up on your YouTube channel. I haven't watched it yet, but I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I uh, had a review that came out of Embargo yesterday. Um, it just picked up today. It's starting to actually do some traffic. But anyway, um, the game, I agree with all of the positive points you have, Dave. Uh, I think everything you said is said well. I agree with all your negative points, too. I have a few more negative points, though. And I guess this is the one thing I don't agree with. The one thing is that uh, the collectibles in the game are fun to get, but there's no incentive to get them if you don't care about unlocking new costumes. And in past SpongeBob games, at least in Bikini Bottom, you had to have golden spatulas or, you know, what you got by collecting other things and doing things. And that unlocked new um, uh, new worlds. And in this game, as long as you beat the world, which is really easy to do, you can progress. And I just feel like since they have so many collectibles, they could have implemented something to make it so that like, okay, you needed to have this many things to unlock the next spot. Uh, so that bothered me a little bit. Not a ton or anything. I mean, that, that's fine. Uh, I think it's probably a little too easy in some respect to be terribly appealing to uh, more experienced gamers, but also it's really solid platforming. So there is like, if you just want to be, have a platformer, that's fine. The enemy variety is cool. Some of the enemies you have to actually like disarm and stuff before you can take them out, uh, which is, which is fun. Uh, there was something else you said I wanted to bring up. Um, I'm trying to remember what it was. I don't know. But there are lots of like little mini games and there are lots of like, again, things you can collect and everything to unlock new stuff. But again, none of it actually matters for the game. So it makes it all feel a little bit pointless, in my opinion. And I understand why they did it, but I don't particularly love it. So that that's my biggest gripe about it. And again, you have to kind of consider who they made this game for. It probably wasn't us, although we can enjoy it. It's just not the game made for us, in my opinion. And so I, I said this game is an easy recommend at $40 release price if, if you know what you're getting into. If you're expecting it to be a little more challenging or you need progression of some sort other than just playing, then it's probably not for you. But if you're okay with just, hey, I want to play SpongeBob game and have a, have a good platforming experience, I think it's a great pickup at 40 bucks. So yeah, you said pretty much everything else I was thinking though and that I talked about in my review as well. So I think it sounds like we had the same same idea there. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. It's weird when you have a completely drastically different opinion. Oh, about the um the quips and stuff. I agree, but then there was sometimes like I'd be playing for like a full hour and hear the same voice line repeated a million times. And I mean, every game, every, you know, cartoony platformer has that to some extent. And then all of a sudden he'd just say something I'd never heard him say before <laughs> in the hours before. And I played this game for like 9 hours ish, I think. And he'd say something I'd never heard in like the previous six hours. And I'm like, what the hell? Like, why did he say, where did that come from? He's sentient. He's sentient. He knew I was getting tired of him saying squishy sweet <laughs> or whatever it is. He's, I can't remember now. It's been over a week since I finished playing it. But yeah, I, I think it's a solid game, but it's um just, you have to know what you're getting into. And I think, you know, that's the point of talking about it and having people play it early is to tell people what to get into. So 
if you are a big, big SpongeBob fan, you really like stupid humor, or you just want a platformer that feels fun, then it's a great pickup at $40. If you need progression or difficulty to have fun, you won't have it. Oh, mouse and keyboard. My one complaint about the controls, the mouse and keyboard felt, felt great. I played a little bit on controller as well, the game uh, gamepad, just to see how it was, and it felt great. The one complaint I did have is I didn't like having to um, move my finger so far down to the control button very, very frequently, which I'm I'm a mouse and keyboard player, so I'm used to that for certain games. And I was like, oh, I'm just going to remap this. And I went in, there's no ability to remap anything. And that felt like a mistake to me. But that's a very minor complaint. I, I think every game should have remappable controls, and that's something I always check for, even though I only remap controls in about 5% of games I play. But that's one thing that I feel like can't be that, it can't be that difficult to program in that they could have done. But again, mostly positive for me, um, but with caveats for sure. We'll go to Brandon now first or next. Brandon, tell me what you've been playing. Well, I've not been playing too much, to be honest. I'm still playing Deep Rock. Rock and Stone. Um, I've managed to log over 24 hours on my new account, which is really awesome. Nice. Um, I have two characters essentially to promotable levels um so that's really fun i never really dabbled much with the driller my first playthrough so my second character i started on the scout like i did the first time again i uh, just it, it's my favorite most versatile i love the mobility um but next i did the driller because i didn't really give him a fair shake when i was playing on playstation um so that's been really awesome Driller, sick yeah continue to just absolutely love this game um I kind of just turn off my brain and have fun every single time I'm playing this game. And it's rewarding every single time. Um, I won't tread, tread all water on that. I've talked about that last week, but I uh, was uh, bopping around game pass a little bit and saw a game that I've been meaning to play for years and years and years that was leaving very soon. And I finally played donut County. Oh yeah. Nice. Very short, very sweet. Um, cannot believe that guy went on to, be a big part of or help make neon white mm -hmm. <laughs> that's kind of also the reason i wanted to play it i've been meaning to play it but it was leaving and so i took one night and i just finished it in one sitting and uh just so cute um and so fun i love games like that just really solid focus on aesthetic i've been playing so many annapurna games yeah. um yeah just really good check it out like seriously you can finish it in one sitting um really really awesome but uh, also, I think I, I've played just to elaborate on that. I think I've played Donut County three or four times the whole way through. Yeah, it's just and always had a good time. Yeah, it's just so it's fun. It's chill. It's fun, and the yeah. characters are cute. Yeah, what more can you ask for? Um, I've been doing this weird thing ever since I beat God of War in Neon White, where I just keep bouncing around to games, and DRG has been the only one that I've really stuck with continuously. But um, I did try Outer. But not the Outer Wilds. That's a different game. I tried Outer Worlds. Yeah. Which is the uh, Obsidian, right? Yes. I think. Yes. Is that Obsidian? I keep getting them confused, I'm man. Pretty sure one of them Obsidian. is. It is, yes. The okay. one that's like Fallout, not the one that's cute and cartoony. Yeah. Okay. So I tried that and it was good. Um, it suffered from kind of the same stuff that Fallout suffers from where it just kind of throws you into a fucking world and instantly wants you to be intrigued by everything. And right. I'm just like, can we build me up a little bit? Can we get me more interested? And you know, the foreplay. 
right yeah. and the intro's cool and like i get it and i don't know i'm still enjoying it just because it runs really well on my pc and i'll probably still dabble a little bit more but nothing's really been pulling me too much so i'm i talked about dmc i don't know man I'm just kind of bopping around. I'll probably still end up playing DRG this week, and we'll just see where it goes. Um, the new Call of Duty season's coming out in a couple weeks. Um, it got delayed a little bit, but there are many, many, many changes coming in season two. I won't bore everybody with the technical stuff, but a lot's changing because they've seen a huge drop in player count um, for many reasons. Yeah. Um, but I'm excited to see what they're going to do with Warzone. I kind of return to form, so to speak. Um, I see people shitting on it on the internet, but if players are dropping, this is what they should do. So a little, uh, a little preview for you guys. You too. Don't tell the audience. Um, my video I'm doing next week is about Deep Rock Galactic. Ooh, yeah, I'm so excited. Yeah, this shit's so good. Yeah, it's so good. I've been playing it this week too. So. Yeah. I'm excited. Maybe now that we're like kind of getting into it, I know season two is going to come out of uh, Doodle Call of Duty pretty soon, but I would love something I never got a chance to do. I don't know if you did it, Dave. The deep dives, it's kind of like the more difficult endgame stuff. I never got a team together to do a deep dive, and I didn't want to do it with randoms. As pleasurable as all of my random experiences are in Deep Rock, which I will double down on what dave said the community is great every time i go in a lobby with someone it ends up being a lot of fun um when i'm playing with randos but the deep dive the hard stuff i wanted to do that with the boys yeah you know so hopefully this time we'll stick it to it i think we're pretty close to being able to do that well i have so. a i have promoted characters now so hell yeah yeah uh dave before we talk about hi-fi rush is there anything else you've been playing uh just ghost of tsushima but oh. nothing else okay. i really need to add there Okay. Still chipping away at the plat. Yep. Hell yeah, yeah. Almost on the first island, which uh, I can't remember who who said it in uh, Discord, but thank you for reminding me that the first section in Ghost of Tsushima is way more dense than the other two. So yeah. I don't feel nearly as uh, anxious about what's to come. Yeah. Because, uh, yeah, man, it's That section it's of the lot. map is just kind of wide down there at the bottom, isn't well, it? Well, the problem is, is like, um, I. I the the way to clear the fog of war is like you you kind of take over those those settlements that are mongol territory but that only takes right. away like a section of it and the rest you kind of just have to run around right um i love the game but the, the, you know that that's slightly tedious so yeah yeah dave tell me about hi-fi rush i've been playing it as well so we'll, we can have another joint conversation on it yeah hi-fi rush um I started downloading it as soon as it became available after the direct last week. And um, I was excited because it gave me um, uh, Sunset Overdrive vibes. And it's been a while since I played a game like that. Um, I haven't played many rhythm games, so I came into this with an open mind. Um, this game feels like it was sort of made on the side of somebody's desk for a long time. And then um, at some point, uh, Tango Gameworks just kind of put more effort into it because, man, this is this is an awesome game. And I think my favorite part about it is just looking at it. Um, there's just so much vibrancy in the world. The art style is just so cool and so fresh. Uh, it reminds me a lot of like Studio Ghibli stuff. Um, not so much in the exact same style, but... 
I don't know. It just gives me those vibes. Um, and, um, you know, the main character here is the combat system. And, um, when I, you know, the first hour I started playing, I kind of felt like I was just kind of mashing buttons and the game was doing the more, most of the work for me. But as I started to unlock more combos and really got comfortable with the combat system, it started to click a little bit more. And um, once you get that, like you can struggle your way through in combat, combat encounters without really hitting a lot on beat and you'll be fine. But it just feels so much better. When, when, you know, you're starting to get more comfortable with combos and moves and like visually everything is just so stunning from a combat perspective, because like, you know, when you set off your special ability or you hit a really nice combo or you do a perfect timing or something like the camera does this crazy stuff and there's these really cool animations that pop up. Um, it's fun. It's a lot of fun. It's very linear, um, but that's okay. Um it's it's got a lot of personality all the characters are really funny and and exciting and um yeah there's just a lot going on um i'm really enjoying it i'm about four or five hours in i i don't know that there's that much more to go but um this was a really really nice surprise it's it's a perfect game pass game but with that said um last week we or maybe it was two weeks ago we talked a little bit about halo and like how like Master Chief has been the face of like Microsoft for so long. Um, I really hope that Microsoft and Bethesda um, keep going with the series because like, as I said, I think it was made on a budget. I think it was made with a limited scope and I could see this kind of uh, blossoming into a really, really cool franchise for Microsoft. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I really liked it. Also, Sorry, there's one other thing. Um, there's this hideout that you have, and inside the hideout, there's like this mural, and the mural is completely blank. And as you complete um, sort of meta challenges within the game, which is like, you know, complete a perfect timing combo 15 times, um, you get these achievements. And uh, when you get the achievements, you get like some currency, but then you also sort of add pieces to this mural as you. Uh, complete them so it's it's a cool little like um side game that kind of goes on as you're playing um but back when we were talking about high on life this is exactly what i wanted in that game where it's like you know little side challenges that you could do that would um kind of um convince you to try new combos and try new abilities and get comfortable with them um because you know it's it's just it's so much more rewarding that way but yeah i'm really enjoying the game what do you think ben yeah, I have only played about four or five hours. I have heard reports of people saying it took them nine hours and people saying it took them 15. So I imagine that's just a matter of how good you are at the game and how much, um, uh, how much you know, exploring you're doing, I guess. It's pretty linear, but there, there is some exploration to be had and everything. I'm a type of person who, if I see something that I could possibly smack and get some currency out of, I'm going to do it. So I, I tend to explore every nook and cranny. But overall, I agree with most of your takes. I do love rhythm games, and uh, I really was excited for this one when it came out. I will say that as much as I love rhythm games, I'm playing this one, and I'm finding that it's not as... It's too forgiving for my taste. And maybe that's... Maybe I just have a good beat, a good sense of beat. Um, Ayo. Or maybe it's (laughs) that... uh, Maybe it is too easy or, or something. I don't know. But I'm finding that I'm... I'm 
often like I did not hit that on the beat and I still didn't get punished for it, which I know was like part of their intention, but that's not what I want out of a rhythm game. And that's fine that it's appealing to a wide audience. Then I get it. But that's my only real gripe with the game so far. Uh, I I love the art style, but also there's times when I look at it and I'm like, this does not look as good as the rest of the game. Sometimes the the more 2D type things, the the characters are a little wonky, but um, there's lot, lots, like you said, lots of upgrades. There's the um, there's the mural that you can put together. Uh, the little hideouts are cool. The interactions between uh, Chai and I can't remember her name, uh, the female Peppermint. character. Peppermint, thank you. Um, between them, uh, Peppermint Chai. Hmm. Hey. Hmm. The, uh, the interactions between them are cool. I like the characters. Uh, they all seem to have, you know, some dimensionality to them, which a lot of times you just get really flat characters in these types of games, especially when they're uh, the, the screens where you're it's voiced, but you're just reading the text too. Um, and the characters aren't necessarily animated for those pieces. Uh, that doesn't bother me as much, but they're uh, they're good. The interactions between the characters are good. And yeah, I think this is awesome. I wonder if the industry reception would be as high as it is if it had not shadow dropped, but overall it's a, it's a great game. Uh, and I think it's pretty cheap. It's like 20 or 25 bucks if you don't have Game Pass. And like we said earlier, it's been selling really well. So I think all of those things are good about it. And like I said, really, the only complaints I have thus far, and again, I'm, I'm only, you know, a, a small portion of the way through it, uh, is just that for me, the difficulty isn't quite there. Um, and I think it does have different difficulty options. So maybe I, sh- I should have bumped it up, but I didn't. I just played it on normal. So, yeah, I, I think it's great. I think it's uh, a lot of fun. And I originally was, I downloaded it like like you did right when it was available. And I turned on the streamer mode because I was going to capture it. And I thought, oh, this is a shadow drop. It's a, it looks like a smaller game. And after I was like four hours in, I was like, yeah, I'm not going to have anything up by tomorrow. So I'm just going to turn on the regular soundtrack. And oh, my God, it is so much better. The The streamer mode, as they call it. The music is fine. It's it's still good, but it's very repetitive. They don't have as many tracks. And the um, the mode with more copyrighted stuff is way, way, way better. So if for some reason you're out there and you're playing it, even accidentally maybe on the streamer mode, turn it off if you're not making content because the game is way better with the licensed music for sure. Um, so yeah, I think it's a solid game and I would encourage anybody, especially if you have Game Pass, just play it and at least check it out. Uh, Brandon, I think you're not much of a rhythm guy, but you uh, you don't hate them, so you should check it out. Yeah, I need to get back into it. I think my um, my jump into PC kind of fucked with my brain as far as rhythm went. I was just trying to input correctly, let alone put that on a beat. So I right. think that kind of well, you have, you tried it? No, I tried oh, okay. it. I tried a different rhythm game, gotcha. and I was gotcha. turned off by it. Gotcha, but cool. If this one's forgiving, I probably will actually like it. It's definitely one of the more forgiving rhythm games I've played. Yeah. Now, I mean, don't get me wrong. If you're like a whole beat off or something, then it's going to. Right. It'll punish you. But I mean, I, I lettered in choir. Thank you, Ben. I think mm. I know a thing or two about rhythm. Mm. <laughs> Have you ever heard of someone lettering in choir before? Well, I fucking did. Brandon, I lettered in choir and went to states. Thank you. Okay. Don't try to step to me. Fine. Fine. Don't tr- don't try to step to me about choir, don't tr- boy. Don't try and sing to me, boy. <laughs> I think that's all we have for the day. Yeah, yeah that's about that's it. about it. That's all she sung or wrote. I don't know. Ladies and gentlemen, thanks for joining us. If you uh, if you don't know, we have a Patreon. You can join us over at patreon.com/handsomephantom. 
as little as a dollar a month gets you ad-free early access to the show, and we appreciate your support. You're really just helping some small creators live out their dream. This is the only thing we live for, really, the three yeah. of us. So, uh, And whether you're a patron or not, you can join us over on Discord at handsomephantom.com slash Discord. Hang out, chill, relax, and Max and all cool bebop. Just join the Discord, yeah. and I'll stop making yeah. up lyrics to Fresh Prince. Thank you, and we'll see you next time. The HP Podcast is brought to you by our patrons over at patreon.com slash handsome phantom. Thanks to our producers, Grabalicious, Christian Snow, Rainick, Chris Bylock, Derek O, Nuke Dukum, Brian Parrott, Htrons, Maurice Bays, Passive Pixels, Edwin Castillo, Boots, Poot, Jared, Josh Cummings, Edward Walton, Charles Peterson, Toby Ryland, Wormhat. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.